Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. In the general business community, outside of pockets like San Francisco is, is clearly an area where um, it, it leads the way in purpose-driven businesses, no question. But outside of San Francisco, there, there just really aren't um, or haven't been historically big pockets of companies that understand that in order to survive, not just like thrive, but in order to survive the next decade, we have to stop thinking about business the way it's always been. We can't only believe that business is, to your point earlier, the the shareholder model where we're taking uh, the profits of the business, shoving it in the pockets of the owners and saying, we're good here. You know, everybody get back to work. There has to be um, a stakeholder mentality in business or the, the millennials and the Gen Zs now that are coming into the workforce, they're not going to want to work for those companies no. and people won't buy their products and services. So companies have to understand that if they don't change the way that they think about business, um, they're not going to survive another decade. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershaz, and I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one. People are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Well, hey guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have a special guest for you today. I'm Jay Wilkinson. Welcome to the show, my man. It's so great to be here, Darius. Thanks. Oh, so good to have you here. Guys, as you know, the, at The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. My brother here, Jay, is both living his passions and creating greatness, and we're going to be diving into that in just one moment. With that said, I want to give a little bit of background, Jay, on how we know one another. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. So Jay and I, we met. We're in this program, Gathering of Titans. As you guys who watch the show regularly know, a lot of GOT people pop on here. It's a, it's a great network. So it's just this network of amazing people that I've gotten the honor of getting to know over the years. And Jay's, Jay's one of those amazing people. And he spoke, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, about this thing that he's doing called the Do More Good Movement. And I was like, hells yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a conscious capitalist. So for me, like anyone that's like putting their money where their mouth is and trying to create greatness in the world and do more good, I'm like, sign me up. I'm, I'm into it. Um, I actually haven't, we never really interacted about it, but it was just one of those things where it like stuck in my head. And so I was like, man, I got to bring Jay on the show and talk to about that amongst all the other things you're doing. But, but yeah, man, like, um, you mind if I give a, your formal background? Oh, of course. It'd be fine. Cool. So guys, Jay's a CEO, entrepreneur, speaker, and author. 
he's written, he's writing another book right now. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but he, he wrote a book by the name of captivate and engage. As I mentioned, he does the do more good movement. They're doing tons of cool things. Um, but you know, Jay's just one of those entrepreneurs that's out there getting after it. He's a CEO of Firespring, and they have thousands of clients all over the world. And it became Nebraska's certified first certified B Corp in 2014, was named by Inc. Magazine in 2016 as one of America's 50 best places to work. So, so much there, so much more beyond that. But man, welcome to the show, my brother. I'm so glad to have you. It is great to see your smiling, energetic face, as always. Oh, man. I'm just trying to do me. <laughs> Um, no one better to do it. Exactly. Well, look, you know, what I'd like to do is kind of, I always like to get people's origin stories, a, a big part of this. And, and for those of you, you know, like we're in the same program, but, but we haven't spent a ton of time, you know, getting to know each other. Um, so I, I know a bit about your origin story, but do you mind kind of giving me and the guests of the show, or excuse me, the audience of the show, some of your, like, how did you get started? How did you become an entrepreneur? Like, give us the origin story, just a five minute version. I, I was born into an entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial family, like a lot of entrepreneurs are. Mm -hmm. uh, my family settled in the central plains of Nebraska uh, back before Buffalo Bill even showed up uh, in, in these here parts. Wow! Um, and in the in the mid eighteen hundreds, and uh, it's it's fascinating to me how people that settled in this part of the of the country, uh, how they got there. You know, most of us uh, are here because. Our ancestors were traveling across in a covered wagon and the damn thing broke down and said, well, I guess this is this is where we're going to live. Good enough. <laughs> and the hardiness, the grit of, of those early settlers, um, it, it's it's resonant. It, it's never lost on me that I come from a hardy, gritty clan. And uh, and and I think that is bred into um, the uh, the the farming and ranching mentality that really created this part of, of our country. And I know so many people from the sand hills of Nebraska, where I grew up, who are entrepreneurial. Um, again, it's it's that work ethic, and that that uh, resolve to do something, um, just because most people think that it can't be done. Um, right. And it's 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 deep inside of me from my family roots. So, um, so it, the sand is, is how far are the sand hills from Omaha? So it's about a four and a half hour drive to get to the heart of the Sand Hills of Nebraska from Omaha. It's about halfway across the state between Omaha and Denver. Okay, wait, wait. So I, so I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm geographically challenged right now. So Denver is in the same vicinity. How close is Colorado to Nebraska? Are they like so neighbors? Where, where I, where I grew up in the Sand Hills area of Nebraska, it was actually closer to Denver, Colorado than it was to Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. News to dare. I'm a California guy. So I'm like, <laughs> Nebraska and Colorado. This is the first time in my whole life, Colorado and Nebraska have been used in the same sentence. So oh, for that's, me. That's awesome. I'm glad, glad to give you that gift. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's, it's Eastern Colorado, right? So, so that's, that's the, is that correct? Like Northeastern Colorado and, and the what Southwestern border of Nebraska are close to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Nebraska has kind of a panhandle on the top and in the crook of the, in the angle of the panhandle, that's where Denver is from, from, central Nebraska. So I grew up in the central Nebraska. If you drew a plus sign across the United States, right there at the crosshairs is a, is about where, where I grew up. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. So, so you, so yeah, so, so your family was one of the early settlers of Nebraska, what I just heard. Yeah. Wow. And so are that what we're by way of which country? Well, <clears throat> I've done some pretty deep ancestry in the last uh, couple of years and uh, learned a lot more than I ever thought. I am actually the 27th great grandchild of 
um, uh, of a king in Scotland, um, King oh. William the Lionheart. No way. Yeah. And also um, on the other side of my, my, my grandmother's side, I am the 43rd, I think, great-grandchild of Charlemagne, king, uh, the, uh, the emperor of Rome. So uh, somehow um, those two channels met up in the, in the central plains of Nebraska and got married, and then I was the creation of that. It's, it's kind of cool. Well, do, listen, royalty begets royalty. My, <laughs> my last name stands for descendant of the royal king in Farsi. Oh, really? So, like, uh, is, isn't there a Darius the Great too? I, I remember that. Yeah, my okay. my my family really laid it double down on me. My last name literally stands. Shah means king. Zade yeah. means descendant of, and Mir means royal. So, my and the funny thing, this is a total entrepreneur story. My grandfather, my my father's father was my father was the youngest of five, and he was born in 1939. His dad was born in 1896, right? So, my grandfather, this is my grandfather. Right. Wow. It was like 120 years ago is when he was born. And, and I'm not that old. I'm like 42 years old. So like that kind of shows you. Right. Um, his he married my grandmother and took her last name because it was way more meaningful than his because he is a hardcore entrepreneur. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, my first name is Darius, which is based on Darius the Great. So, yeah, my, they doubled down on the king kingness. Uh, yeah, man. Two two royal blooded individuals just hanging out on a podcast. Who thought? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Forget about Nebraska. Let's just do it virtually, man. Um, <laughs> that's so cool. So, so you have, so you you come from the royal lineage, as do I. My wife, actually, I went. My wife is English. So if you if you go to like ancestry.com and you start digging in, if you're from Iran or like my grandfather, my mo- my mom's side is from like the hills of Italy. Like they're like the peasants. Like there, there's nothing. It stops pretty quick there. But my wife, her her last name is Walcott. And her grandfather, like, or her father's family is all English. And I went, I went crazy. I went back before Christ with oh, her family. Wow. The That's reason crazy. I was able to do that was that she was from her, one of her, she's like the, something like yours. I don't remember if it was 22nd or 44th great granddaughter of William of Orange or something. One of the kings of England. So when you got that royal lineage, it's really cool when you start digging into that. <laughs> yes, it is. That's <laughs> awesome. So, so, so that's so cool, man. Obviously, uh, I love people like from the Midwest, a lot of my best friends, you know, that, that great plain culture, that hardcore, that grittiness, you had it in your blood. So were you like just an unemployable type of person where you're like, yeah, I'm starting my own business when you were young. Yeah, I am a hundred percent unemployable. I I've done nothing but, uh, uh, try attempt, repeat, fail, try again. Um, I think I, in fact, I know I, I had started eight different companies by the time I graduated from college before I start, I thought I started the one that ultimately led to a path that uh, led me to where I am today. That was quite successful, but it took a lot of trial and error. Yeah. I feel you, man. I, I, I am of the same uh, mentality. I, I was very entrepreneurial and I grew up with an entrepreneurial family. And I, I think when you grow up seeing that, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. It, it, it makes you a bit unemployable where you're just yeah. like, you're like, boss, show up on time. Like, I'll do that because it's the right thing to do. But I don't want to have to do that. I want to kind of go and grind and create my own thing. Walk us through, like, what was your mentality about that? Yeah, you know, I, I would say early on, there was that allure um, of being your own boss, so to speak. And, and then there was the reality that hit that, well, OK, what that really means is that you are um, serving everyone that uh, em- that, you, that you're that is in your employ. You're serving your clients. 
Um, you have dozens of bosses when you become a business owner. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and the reality was different than the dream. There's no question. But once you adjust to that and, uh, and you realize that you can do some pretty amazing things, um, if you just learn how to build teams of people that would run through brick walls for each other and, and, and build uh, environments and culture that, that, that breeds the kind of uh, loyalty and commitment to one another. It's, it's pretty magical. It's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome path. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, I, I think that, and this one will, will kind of segue into, you know, how you became a, a B Corp and, and, a, and I'd love to, to talk about that. I, I think that you're landing on something that's really interesting, which is this idea of elevating folks to be a part of something greater than themselves. And it's this idea of stakeholder value and how do you get people aligned? And for me, like I wrote a book about this called the core value equation, which is essentially how do you take this idea of values, which essentially are the fundamental beliefs of a personal organization and then actually operationalize them to do exactly what you're talking about, get a group of people together, motivate them, invest in them, elevate them. And then how do you do that to, to your point later, do more good in the world, right? Yes. Walk us through that. I'd love to hear. I mean, I got introduced. I have a friend who's a B Corp in Oakland, California. It's, he runs a snack food company called Dang. But yeah, how did that journey go from the lonely journey of serving to then leading um, and, and, and having a business that was then creating greatness around you, having a team that was running through those brick walls, turning into a B Corp? And in, in fact, if you wouldn't mind, maybe educate our audience on what a B Corp is. Yeah, we'll do so. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits 
allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now. And let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. Yeah, so I, I remember it really, really clearly, actually. It was somewhere in around two, 2013, and I'd been uh, running Firespring for many years. We were uh, successful and growing and, and doing great things, um, but there was still something missing, um, and I didn't really know what it was. And in a parallel in my personal life, um, my, my dad is my, my hero and my, my mentor and the person that um, I lean on you know, the most for all things in life. And I remember always thinking that someday I'm going to do something for my dad that is deep and meaningful. Someday I'm going to um, have enough money. I'm going to save up enough money and I'm going to build a park and name it after him or a hospital wing or whatever, you know, these things that we do. And I remember going back to Thanksgiving that year and talking to my dad and I was kind of digging in, trying to ask him these questions about what his legacy, uh, what he wanted his legacy to be, what he wanted to be remembered for. And, and I remember him just kind of laughing at me saying, why are you asking me these questions? He said, all, all I care about is that I... Um, have great kids and great grandkids who are doing great things with their lives, who are leading um, these amazing lives and helping other people. And and, and I realized um, that, you know, I, I'd been all that time thinking about I'm going to save, save, save and build something up so I can do something meaningful, like waiting till the end of my life is what we're, is what I'd realized. And I, I just had this realization that what the hell am I waiting for? Why am I waiting? Yeah. Um, to amass all this ability and, and, and resources. Um, and I came back and I, I sat down in, in our next leadership team meeting and they had that look in their eyes, like, like the deer in the headlights, like, Oh shit, Jay just went to a conference. Oh. <laughs> it was that, that look that I think yeah. most entrepreneurs can recognize. And I laid out to them that I've been doing this research. I wanted, I want us to become a certified B corporation and, and, and that's what we did. And, and a certified B corporation is simply a company that is vetted by a third party standard. There's an organization. It's a nonprofit in Philadelphia called B Labs, co-founded by Jay Cohen Gilbert, uh, one of my, my current mentors, an amazing human. Um, and they created this, this system that you can go to use their, uh, their, their tools and you can see, you can plug in all of your information as a company and see where you fall on their spectrum. It's an assessment tool to get an idea as to how you're doing. Um, and if, if you score high enough, then you're eligible to apply for and become a certified B Corp. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work. Um, but the, the difference between that and other types of systems and programs like that is that um, you have to meet a third-party standard, and you're audited. They come out every every three years, and they make sure that you're 
you're walking the talk. You know, that you're not saying you're a green company and then spewing sewage out the back. Right. So they they vet it and make sure that the companies that are certified B Corps meet their their criteria. And rather than them just saying, you know, we're a, a, a meaningful company, they they actually vet it and make sure that you are. Can so you give us can you give us a couple of examples of like some of the standards that are like maybe would be interesting for the audience? Yeah, uh, so some of the things that that, that we changed, we, we changed how um, uh, how we use uh, uh, electricity. You know, for example, we uh, we started to pay attention to how we're consuming energy, and um, the the biggest changes for us was really around um, around equity and inclusion, and and we changed our our board of directors changed uh, to make sure that we had minority and female representation. Um, uh, after really pursuing the the B Corp path, um, now today uh, more than half of our managers in our organization across the company are female, um, and so we're really really mindful of of uh, gender um, and, and 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 equity inclusion in every way that we can think about because we are uh, we're we see best practices all the time. So we we have lots of conversations with other certified B Corps. We share best practices. And, uh, and, and we're always trying to evolve. We're always trying to find a better way. That's our mantra is to find a better way and to, and to improve, uh, from, from one day to the next, we've got to become better. Yeah. It's so great. And, and so, man, I, I think that's so interesting. And, and right now are there hot topics in the B Corp community or that, that people are really pushing, or is it just kind of this overall process and ethos people go through to transform themselves and maintain that status? Yeah. You know, one thing that's interesting about the B Corp community is it's a worldwide community. And so the issues that affect businesses in Asia and Europe and, and, and all around the world are oftentimes very different than, than the way they impact uh, companies in the United States or even in, in North America in general. Um, there are different issues, you know, as it relates to poverty and other things that, um, that, that businesses and companies need to be aware of. So one thing that it's done for me is it's made me um, really be mindful to be a, a, a citizen, a business leader of the world mm-hmm. uh, and not just focused, you know, in my, um, I, I consider Nebraska to be the middle of everywhere. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I, I used to really um, hunker down and be and just have so much pride um, in, in, in the people that, that that work with us here in Nebraska. But now I'm way more mindful of, of that worldview, that world mentality. Um, so that's the thing, probably more than anything that it's done. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. And, and, and I love that. Like I, I did. Are you did you just stay again? Are you a Stegen guy? Yeah, I am a Stegen guy. Yeah, we're Stegen alone, my friend. What class are you? Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, in the class right now, actually. Oh, are, are, when, when's your commencement? Uh, not for another, like, I think it's in two weeks. Oh, oh, so, oh, so wait, are you a uh, Nightingale? No, it's uh, Glenn. Oh, okay, cool. Very cool. I, I'm a Hamilton. I'm a Hamilton guy. So, yeah, that's cool. I love, Rand was actually on the show. Um, I love I love the staking community. I think that a lot of the things you're talking about resonate with me from the perspective of conscious capitalism and, and Stegen ideology. So that's so cool. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. 
You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment. And you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end. And it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's DariusScale.com. And now back to the show. How long ago did you become a B Corp? When was that? 2014. Okay, wow. So so it's been it's been a few years. And and I love how coming from Nebraska, where you know, it's not that's no that's no San Francisco, right? Where you get this like green mindset. You're gonna I'm gonna talk Stega talk right now, right? That's there's lot, it's more yeah. of a blue blue mindset, right? Um, that's probably more unusual, I would guess, or is there a thriving B Corp community in Nebraska? Oh, th- there is now. And that's actually what, uh, what the do more good movement is all about and, and, and how I, I went down that path because, uh, uh, there, there just hasn't been a lot of awareness, um, in the general business community outside of pockets like San Francisco is, is clearly an area where, um, it, it leads the way and purpose-driven businesses, no question, but outside of San Francisco, there, there just really aren't um, or haven't been historically big pockets of companies that understand that in order to survive, not just like thrive, but in order to survive the next decade, we have to stop thinking about business the way it's always been. Right. We can't only believe that business is, to your point earlier, the the shareholder model where we're taking uh, the profits of the business, shoving it in the pockets of the owners and saying, we're good here. You know, everybody get back to work. There has to be um, a stakeholder mentality in business or the the millennials and the Gen Z's now that are coming into the workforce, they're not going to want to work for those companies no. and people won't buy their products and services. So companies have to understand that if they don't change the way that they think about business, um, they're not going to survive another decade. I think it's the biggest shift in business since the computer age and the industrial age before that, I think I think we're seeing a major shift towards this um, stakeholder c- capitalism model. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I, what I've been out there saying, um, and this was like I kind of planted my flag in the in the sand when I put my book out. And I said, my book's about how do you build a core, core value driven organization? How do you use it? And and I and I'm trying to speak the language of the sta- of the shareholder capitalists because mm-hmm. I came from a banking environment where like. I was talking to Rand Stegan about this, and he's like, "Oh, you're financial services. Those guys are like the last guy to the party, right? Like they're like they're like, do I have to, right? Because moving money is this thing where you're like intangible. It's an intangible, and it's a bunch of humans moving this fiat currency around, right? So it's you're moving invisible things around that don't attach to anything, and you get paid a lot of money to do it, and it creates this transactional mindset around behavior, and that, and so um, having come from that world." Being a purpose-driven CEO, I was like, I don't like this. Like, this doesn't like. I know what inspires people, and it's not that. Yeah. You know, 
that human beings are not wired to want that. They're wired for survival and they're wild, wired to want to be successful and they're wired, as Maslow says, for self-actualization. Yeah. Right. So I, I just that made sense to me. And so when I started going out with the book, I said, I believe and just to support what you just said. And I'd love to maybe hear your thoughts on this. I'm sure you'll agree because of what you just said, but I'd love to seriously hear you what you think about this bold statement I'm going to say, which is that mission, vision and value based organization are going to smoke every single non-mission division value-based organization be, be between now and 2030. And my reason for this, just because, again, I'm looking at this from a hardcore banker standpoint, is really simple. Technology, because of Moore's law, speeds up everything. It's a, it's a decompression of, of value, right? It's a decelerator of value, right? It makes things cheaper. It's not, it doesn't inflate, it deflates. And if you look at a deflationary environment, which technology typically does, that will create more, two things, a leveling of, of differentiating value props from technology and price compression. Things mm -hmm. will just, it's like the margins will be cheaper, you know, overall, right? So I can't compete simply based off of the bells and widgets being a little bit, or the bells and whistles being a little bit, you know, snazzier because it's all about the same and the price will be all about the same. So what's the differentiating value problem? And my take on that, simple, humans. How yeah. do I, if I get the best people who are inspired the most, we win, we lose. So, yeah. And, and there, there are way too many old school philosophies at work, um, CEOs and, and business leaders who who think that the that the stakeholder business model movement is all about profit, uh, about trying to reduce their profits. And it's not. No. Um, it, there is so much evidence. Raj Sasoda in his book, Firms of Endearment, talks about it incessantly. He's one of the co-founders of Conscious Capitalism. Right. Um, that companies that, that that operate on their their why and their purpose um, outperform and not just revenue, but profit outperform profit um, ten times over their counterparts that are, are focused just in the old shareholder model. So um, the, the, there are a lot of old school business people who who think it's all frou frou stuff that um, and um, and they really believe you know, it's all about profit. And what they what they're not realizing is they're leaving profit on the table because they're not willing to change. Yeah, and what I say, I agree with you wholeheartedly, is that. Marketing folks and HR people have, have basically hijacked a lot of these words, mm -hmm. and and so when it, so when my HR person, my chief people officer, comes to me and says, "We need to have a more engaged workforce. Let's say we do pizza parties and ball games," and my marketing folks says, "We need to you know architect our brand so that people like us more. We need to talk about happiness and hugs and kisses." The CEO and the CFO looks at each other and they're like, "What the fuck did that guy talk about?" Right? Yeah. Right? I mean, as they should. Right. And my, and my position is way different, and, which is, all right, here's real simple. Go get a mirror, go stand it, look at it and say, what motivates you? And, and, and at a certain point, it's not just money. It's around being a part of something greater than yourself. Uh -huh. The greatest teams and the greatest empires in the world are built on this. Absolutely. You know, so it's, for me, it's, it's pretty simple. So let's talk about the do more good movement. Like I want to hear about where did that come out of? What are you doing with it? The whole shebang. Let's hear that. Yeah. So the, the, the origin of this for me really happened – um, I mentioned we became a certified B Corp in 2014. In 2016, we were chosen by Inc. Magazine in their inaugural list of the 50 best workplaces in America, which was fantastic. You know, I take that with a lot of humility. You know, I know that um, we, we, we aren't one of the best 50 companies to work for in America. We're 200 people here in the plains of Nebraska doing marketing and promotion and really great work. And we are we're a great company. Um, but uh, 
I, I started to I started to really think about what that meant to be um, a company that was you know highly engaging to their workforce, and company culture became a big part of of what I focused on. And um, I actually decided um, because I was at a conference speaking somewhere about culture, about sharing how we became you know s- someone worthy of being on that list. And somebody came up to one of the standing mics in one of the rows and said, and you know the question was what's the future of culture going to look like? Like in 10 years, what, what is, what is a company culture going to look like in order for you to be successful? And of course, you know, we, I don't have a crystal ball any more than the next guy. I didn't know the answer. I had some thoughts about it, but I thought that was a really interesting question. So uh, I, I brought my wife in on this and we started a process where um, we, we interviewed more than 500 certified B Corps, conscious capitalists, 1% for the planet, other companies that exist um, as a purpose-driven business. And we, we started asking that question. Um, but about 75% of the way through those interviews, and I saw all these, these themes reoccurring, um, and, th- and this is what my, my book was going to be about, um, about how to elevate and what the future of culture is, I realized that it's not just, it's not culture, that, that that's one piece of the pie. I kept hearing words from these companies like love as it applies to business. Um, words like um, rising tide, like, you know, we, we, we want to be the kind of company that, that elevates all of our competitors because the rising tide, you know, lifts all boats. And um, we talk about uh, service and servant leadership. I kept hearing all of these things um, that were, it, it, it was part of company culture, but that was only part of the solution. And so, we, I, I got together with a, a, a long-term um, a friend of mine, uh, this y- young man that I had met at a leadership workshop that I've been conducting for 30 years, um, and, and he was in my group of students, and his name is Graham Panzing Brooks, and, and I was explaining to Graham that we, we need to do something to help educate and empower and inspire businesses to understand that there's a better way, um, that, that this whole stakeholder capitalism thing is real and it can, it can make meaningful change and not just their business, but in the communities they serve and in the lives of the people that work for those companies. Um, and he got excited. He came in, joined me, and we, we started uh, the Do More Good movement. And our first conference was in, in May of 2019. And we brought together leaders from all those major groups. So 1% for the planet actually Rand Stegen was there representing conscious capitalism. He was on their founding board. Nice. Um, Jay Cohen Gilbert, the founder of uh, certified B corporations or B labs. And then we also had um, Preda Bonsall. Uh, she was president Obama's chief legal counsel. And she's the one that was, was instrumental in creating benefit corporation legislation, mm-hmm. which has now been passed in 38 States in America so that businesses can, um, can register for their business to become a benefit corporation in their state and make this proclamation that we are here to stand for something more than just shareholder capitalism. And um, it was the first time ever that, that representatives from all of these different uh, major leading entities and purpose and businesses had ever been on the same stage. Um, and it was magical what came out of it. And uh, our, our next conference is, is actually coming up here. We have it on May 12th. It's going to be a virtual conference, um, and we are bringing together many of those same people and, and putting together just a, a one-day event online that will be very meaningful in helping businesses and business leaders understand how to take that next step on their path to purpose, because so many don't really know what to do about it. 
they know it's important or they or they might think that it is, but they don't really know what those next steps are. And they don't know if they should align with conscious capitalism or with B Corps or 1% for the planet. We actually have identified 52 different frameworks that exist around purpose in business. And we're trying to find ways to educate uh, business leaders on which path is best for them. Wow. Um, and, and that's what we're focused on. It's been it's been so much fun and we're, we're just we're having a great time. And it's been so meaningful. We're, uh, we're we're changing the lives of the people that work in these companies that are now uh, walking this path a little differently. That's amazing. And if, by the way, you're looking for a guy that wrote a book about core values, I happen to know one. Oh, so, I, I've, I've heard about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, word, the word on the street is he's killer on the mic when it comes to talking about core values. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so what? Let's hear about the new book. I know you wrote the book Captivate and Engage. Yeah. Let's hear about the new book that's in the works. Well, the the new book is um, is a summary of the the Do More Good movement. It's 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 all about um, again all of these fellow travelers, as, as we like to call them, um, these fifty some different frameworks um, that that are out in the world, um, and and laying out a practical step by step process. Um, choose your own your own adventure. Um, and, and dedicate and commit to it and, uh, and helping businesses understand what that process is. So I'm, I'm trying to bring as much clarity as I can based on all of these interviews we've done and all of the people we've talked to and all these other companies that have gone down this path um, to, to kind of help people understand what mistakes they made and what roadblocks and obstacles they uh, encountered uh, so we can help them um, really have a, a more smooth ascension to understand how to infuse purpose and meaning um, into the way that they operate their business. So what do you think um, when you look out right now, it's 2021, we've just gone through this whole COVID thing. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. When you look at Firespring and you look at the do more good, you look at like the things that you're working on, what are the next, what, what's, what are you excited about? What are the next things? Like what's, what's the future hold for, for Jay right now? I think there's so much in um, simplifying um like in, in my life, well, I'll, I'll share one thing that I learned over COVID. Um, I've, I've actually had many conversations with my wife around this. It's around the concept of intention versus impact. Um, I just, I've had so much time for reflection and just um, internal dialogue. And my wife and I have been in the same house, you know, working from home most of the time, um, which can create a lot of conflict or it can create a lot of connection. It really depends on how you approach it and, and, and how you treat it. And, you know, I, I've learned that, you know, most of us, we measure ourselves based on our own intention because we know what's going on in our own head and our own heart. But we measure others based on impact, you know, how they affected us because we don't know what's going on in their heads or their heart. And it's not a fair assessment of how we how we evaluate and treat and, and, and connect with other people. Um, so something that I've been working on incessantly, and it's part of my um, I think my farm and ranch male dynamic growing up where I did as well, that um, my my natural um, instinct is to defend. So if someone says, you know, like if I, let's say we have a dog at home who's great at catching Frisbees. Her name is Lottie. Um, and if I were to throw the Frisbee and be four feet away from my wife and whack her in the side of the face with it, and she turns around and says, hey, you just hit me with a Frisbee. And I say, well, I didn't mean to. Well, Okay, I may not have meant to, but I did. Right? That was the 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 the, the result of my uh, my action was to was to cause her harm. And what I've learned is that we have to tend to the impact first, and deal with the fact that that we've made this impact 
and and then later come back and maybe deal with the intent and if, if it's necessary. But I, I've applied this to every aspect in the way that I interact with with the people in our company, our clients, um, everyone out in the world. It's intent versus impact, and it's something that I think that these kind of insights, um, as we can maybe zen out a little bit and go deeper on, on the inside and to do the inside work that we need to do. Um, the better um, our business, our companies, and our leadership styles are going to be as we move forward. And so that's that's an example of something that I've really been focused on just during the pandemic. I love it. Ran, when Rand was on the show, he he brought up something to that degree where we were talking about the golden rule, his golden rule versus platinum rule. Did he talk to you guys about that? Yeah. Right. So the golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated. And the platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be treated. Right. Which is that idea around having the recognition that, hey, I did this, the impact that happened. This, this is all about you at the moment, not about me, because you just got smacked in the face with, with, with a Frisbee. Right. Yeah. I have to address that elephant in the room before I say, whoa, I didn't mean to do that. It's like, hey, yeah. who cares, man? You just like I'm in pain right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, don't make this about you. Make this about me. Right. So I, I, I love that idea because I think conscious capitalism teaches us that we need to pe- meet people where they're at. Right. Uh-huh. And, 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 and this whole idea around integral leadership and elevation and this level five leadership is is people having that awareness. And I love everything you're saying to me. It's just like, yeah, you're speaking my language, which is, hey, collectively, we need to stop thinking things from our own selfish perspective, because as a tribe, we ain't going to make it if that's what uh-huh. we keep doing. And that's yeah. that shareholder mentality is like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's in it for me, though? My people. And it's like, well, well, yeah, but. Just because GAP says that's how you do accounting doesn't mean that you're counting everything that counts, right? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things that – there's a lot of waste that's getting created that someone else has to clean up at some point. Uh-huh. And just because the regulation or the way we recognize expenses doesn't force you to recognize that right now, are you really a profitable business? I think it's defining that word profit is what we need to start looking at. So uh-huh. like in closing, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, and then we can find out where people can find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I, I think that um, just to even hone in a little bit more, it's all about the little things. Um, it's the simple, like, again, going back to the intent versus impact thing that I was just talking about. Um, clearly hitting somebody in the head with a Frisbee is a, is a, is a really physical example. But the, 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 the reality of how that manifests are in tiny little word choices, um, a reaction um, that you give uh unintentionally when someone says something and, and uh, whatever, it's the, it's the little things um, that matter the most. Um, you know, I, 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 I know that uh, you, you can ask any woman that's ever been in the dating world and they'll tell you it's the little things that matter. It's not the grand gestures. Um, uh, and, uh, and it's the same way um, in the way we treat our employees, the way, the way that we interact with our entire ecosystem of vendors and community and clients, et cetera, all of the stakeholders involved in any organizations. It's about the little things. I love it, man. You know, I said that it's uh, what's his face from Starbucks, the CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz. Yeah. Howard Schultz. Yeah. They, yeah. Asked, they asked him, well, you know, what is it? What is it? Howie? What is it that makes Starbucks Starbucks? Is it the the smell of the coffee or the music or the Italian lounge? He's like, no, it's all, it's a thousand little things. Mm-hmm. It all adds up. You know? yeah. I love, I love that we're ending on that note. So Jay, Number one, man, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have you here today, dude. This is thank so you. Fun. I am so grateful for you and the work you do. Your show is one of the best. I love watching it. So much energy and always great insight. 
I'm just trying to do my best. I appreciate that so much. I'd love for you to just let everyone know where they can find you and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah, you can, you can find me um, at domoregood.com uh, is, the, is the website where you can learn more about the Do More Good movement and the conference. And I'm on Twitter at jaywilk, um, J-A-Y-W-I-L-K. And I'd love to connect with you there. And uh, um, I'd love to follow back and respond and connect with everyone. Awesome. You guys, we're going to put those in the comments so you can go find Jay at domoregood.com and as well as his, his Twitter handle. We'll get that up there so that everyone can find you, connect with you, and really do more good themselves. I think the more good we do collectively, the more good that's going to happen universally. So I, I love I love so much that you're doing that work. And I, like I said, I appreciate you very much. Um, guys, with that said, man, what a great week we had. Um, we had two killer, killer rock stars on the show. And Jay just rounded out the week with some dropping some knowledge on how we can all do more good. And man, I don't know about you, but I'm pumped. Um, that said, guys, uh, next week we got some more fun, some more hijinks. Um, do me a favor. Go to therealdarius.com. Subscribe to the show. Get on the email list. No spamming. Only positive. Only value. And if you want, support the show. Go to YouTube. Sign up. Subscribe. You'll get updates when we do our next show. Because right now we're about ready to convert this bad boy into a podcast that's going live on the 11th of February. So you can find me on all social. Go to The Real Darius. And with that said, you all... Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. We're out of here. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world, and we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously. 
which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.